Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. Um, I've got two things I want to talk about today and the first one is kind of an announcement. You may have heard this already, um, but okay, here's the deal. I give one live workshop a year, one, and it's coming up. <laughs> And if you haven't heard about it, I want you to know about it because it's kind of a big deal. We call it the Brightline Eating Family Reunion because we like that name. It, it sort of signifies that we're getting people together, that we're a family and, um, we're going to all gather. Uh, but, but really it's, it's a workshop. It's a time for me to be on stage teaching like I used to as a professor, live eyeball to eyeball, put people through a three day experience that is truly transformative. And of course, it's a time for people to meet other Brightline eaters and make lifelong friends and meet my team and be in a beautiful environment. And it's coming up and we're about to close registration for it. Um, there are 18 hotel rooms left. Hundreds of people are gonna come. There's 18 hotel rooms left. And I want you to have one of them if you wanna be there. It's in San Diego on June 4th through 7th. I know that's not a weekend, so it would mean if you work during the week, it would mean taking a couple days off of work, um, maybe more than a couple, three or four, anyway, uh, 4th through 7th, which is a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And um, wait, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sorry. Uh, math challenge there for a moment. Um, it's in San Diego at Paradise Point, which is its own island. It's, it's an island off the coast of San Diego, and the resort is the whole island. It's gorgeous. It's 10 to 15 minutes away from the San Diego airport, so really easy to access. Um, it's just beautiful. It's on the water. Um, it's, it's little bungalows all over the island. You get your little bungalow and overlooking the bay and, it's, it's just unbelievable. And the theme for this year is bright line living. So, um, the workshop part is going to be about the habits that make bright line eating work. It's going to be about the science of habits and it's going to be about how to use habits skillfully, wisely. By the time you get out of the workshop, you will have a template and just a whole bunch of renewed, skill, motivation, knowledge, expertise about how to implement habits to improve your life for the rest of your life. Um, you will actually have a one-year template of the habits that you're going to layer in, how you're going to conceptualize them using the latest science of how habits actually work in the brain, how you're going to, for example, not, you know, start something and then fall off and not be doing it a month or two later, how you're going to avoid that trap, how you're going to avoid the procrastination trap, how you're going to avoid, you know, all the, the traps that keep us stuck in old patterns of behavior and not really turning over the new leaf that we want to turn over. So um, I want you to be there. It's going to be fabulous. Uh, we already have almost a full room, but we have a few more spots left. Like I said, 18 hotel rooms left. There's a button down below. If you click on the button for the family reunion, um, you might want to click on it anyway, because um, you'll catch a three-minute video 
a montage of our last family reunion, and it's just really sweet. Like you'll get a sense of what it's like when we all gather together. Um, it's just super fabulous. And there's a little bit more information down there. We take care of all the food. The food is gonna be amazing. There's gonna be plenty for you to eat, whether you're whole food plant-based or you eat meat. Um, super healthy, obviously, but just a huge variety. The food, we put a lot of attention into the food. And um, there's gonna be a couple of surprise guest speakers. And um, what else? There's gonna be a concert. We've hired a band, which is my favorite childhood band. It's called Box Childhood. I was a teenager in San Francisco. Best local band ever. It's called Box Set. And Box Set is gonna play for us. And we're gonna have a dance on one of the nights. Uh, we're also gonna have free yoga and meditation classes in the morning. Um, it's just gonna be unbelievable. So. I want you there. It's going to be fabulous. And um, if you want to be with me in the room when I give my one workshop of the year, this is where you got to be, San Diego, June 4th through 7th. Click down below. Um, when you register, it'll take you to one of the buttons where you can, you know, get your, secure your hotel because you want to secure that fast. Those rooms will probably go fast now uh, here toward the end. Um, we, we've sold all the seats without actually sending anything out to the whole list about this. This is the first time I'm sending it, everything out, anything out to the whole list. We've been, you know, we opened half the rooms to Bright Lifers and they sold out within nine hours. And, you know, we've been sort of staggering our announcements about this, but it's time to let you know. So the family reunion is available. That's the first thing I wanted to talk about. Now I want to talk about the vlog vlog. Okay, so the topic for this week's vlog is uh, a moment of clarity. And as an addict, um, I can testify that sometimes with my addictive behaviors, I have a moment that feels like it changes everything. And uh, certainly the biggest moment of my life in that regard was when I was 20 years old and I was hooked on crack cocaine and I was a high school dropout and um, I had a shaved head and I was wearing a blonde wig and I was in a crack house and I'd been there for days smoking and I had a moment of clarity that said, if you don't get up and get out of here right now, this is all you're ever gonna be. And I got up and I walked out the door and I haven't had a drink or a drug since then, 22 and a half years, years ago. Um, that's by far the biggest moment of clarity in my life. But I had another one this past weekend and I wanna tell you about it. And um, it's a long story, so bear with me. And then at the end, I'll circle back around to what this means for you and your Bright Line Eating journey. Um, so I got a thing with motorcycles. I love motorcycles. <laughs> love them. Um, Harleys in particular. And um, yeah, I just, some of my best moments have been on a motorcycle. The, the, the story goes that I was conceived on a motorcycle, although technically it's not true. I was conceived on a motorcycle trip. My mom and dad were on a motorcycle trip around the world. Uh, they didn't make it because I got, uh, uh, I was the monkey ranch in those plans. But um I think I was conceived somewhere in Costa Rica and then they kept going down to Argentina uh, and then finally uh, abandoned ship and hawked the bike for plane fare back to the States. But anyway, um, I was kind of conceived on the back of a BMW motorcycle, not literally, but but pretty close. Um, and yeah, I've just always liked motorcycles. I just like them. So um, I had a motorcycle when I was 21-ish, 21, 22. Um, it looked like a Harley, but it wasn't. It was a Virago, uh, Yamaha Virago 250. So it was a small little bike. And I used to ride it 
to the drop zone and go skydive. So that gives you a little sense of my thrill-seeking profile. I used to ride my motorcycle to the drop zone and then skydive for the day and then ride my motorcycle back to college campus. Uh, that was when I was going to UC Berkeley. So um, yeah, I owned that motorcycle briefly though. I doubt I put a thousand miles on it. I don't remember, but I doubt I put a thousand miles on it. I, I owned it for a, a brief period of time. Then I got into grad school across country over at the University of Rochester and I sold the motorcycle for plane, uh, not plane fare, for um, moving costs, to pay my moving costs to go out to graduate school. And, you know, Rochester is, cloud, you know, horrible weather, six months of the year. I wouldn't be able to ride my bike anyway. I couldn't picture wanting to pay for storage for all those months of winter. So I just, it seemed simpler to just sell the bike. So I bought it and then just not really that long later, I sold it. That was 20 years ago haven't personally driven a motorcycle in 20 years. I've been on the back of one, but I haven't actually ridden one myself. And when I, <clears throat> when I moved to Rochester, um, I lost my motorcycle license. I shouldn't have. When I went to the DMV to transfer um, my license from California to New York, um, I actually had a commercial driver's license. Um, and, you know, showing up at 23 years old, looking kind of like this, you know, at 23 years old, I think whoever was behind the counter at the DMV was looking down and saw that I was licensed to drive a semi-truck. Uh, that's a whole other story. Um, and got so distracted by that. She's like, you know, looking at me and looking down on my commercial driver's license that transferring all that over, they forgot the little M, you know, designation on the license and they didn't transfer that over. They should have. But so in one fell swoop, I didn't even notice till well after, you know, I received my, my license in the mail that I didn't have a motorcycle license anymore. So fast forward 20 years, my husband David and I decided to um, get our motorcycle licenses. Well, what we decided to do really was to, to, was to take a learn to ride course, like a, a two day safety course at the local community college, Monroe Community College, which is where I used to teach, where I was tenured. Um, it's the most popular course they offer like by far. Um, and you have to sign up for it well in advance. So we signed up and this past weekend was our Saturday and Sunday all day, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. to take this course. And when you pass the course, it counts legally as the driving component of your motorcycle license test. You still have to pass the written part, but the, the driving part is passed. So there we were on these bikes, the loaner bikes, they, they give you bikes, bring your own helmet. And, um, you know, the weekend was kind of fun. Like we were, you know, I, it came back. David had some experience too, just riding dirt bikes with his friend Art. Um, but you know, so there we were for the weekend. I, I was doing pretty well. And then the test came at the end of the weekend. And, um, right before the test, this gal in the class, um, dropped her bike, like crashed it. Like, you know, she wasn't going fast, but her bike fell over. And then like 10 minutes later, it happened to her again. And um, she was shaking like a leaf and she felt so bad. Before that, she was kind of doing okay. But um, she dropped her bike twice in 10 minutes and was, um, yeah, feeling pretty shaky. And with that happening, the instructors were like stern and like kind of like, come on, everyone, settle down, take deep breaths. The test is going to be okay. And um, they had some kind of hard things on the test. For example, like you had to make a U-turn in less space than I would ever try to drive. Like if, if I had to turn around in that tight a space, I would walk my bike. Like I just wouldn't ever drive. Like if there were actual obstacles, I wouldn't 
It was just a dumb thing to do. Like, why would anyone? Anyway, so that was part of the test. I shut my mouth. I didn't say like, this is dumb. I would never drive this. But anyway, um, so that was the second part of the test. But let me back up. So we're doing the test, right? She's dropped her bike. Everyone's kind of skittery. The instructors are telling us to take deep breaths. And we start the test. And uh, there's a prayer that I say before I have to go like perform something that I feel um, stirred up about, like I feel kind of anxious about. If I have to go on stage in a big way, if I have to just do something that I feel anxious about. It's a, a line of scripture that I learned from this old book that I used to love. It's a 1950-something book called Practicing the Presence by Joel Goldsmith love Joel Goldsmith. He's this old Christian mystic guy. And he just talks about how a spiritual life is just a life of presence, just just practicing the presence of God. You know, you don't have to be all highfalutin, like God is here right now. Are you aware? Bottom line. Anyway, there's this scripture that says, he performeth that which is appointed for me. The Lord perfecteth that which concerneth me. He performs it, he perfects it. Like, it's done. God's got your back. Like, you're not even going to have to do it. Go out there and just consider it, you know, performed and perfected. So I love that scripture. So I was in line, and before the first obstacle thing, there were five components to the test. I said that prayer. I took some deep breaths, and I went out, and I nailed it. Nailed it. Just saying, David hit a cone. Just saying one little cone. Most people did. I think only two or three of us in the class got through that little obstacle thing without any foibles. But I was one of them. Felt pretty good about that. Okay. Got in line for the second thing. This was the like U-turn in this much space. <clears throat> I had not been doing very well on those. We'd been practicing them and I almost always had to put a foot down. Okay. So just said my little prayer, took a deep breath, went out there and nailed it. Boom, little U-turn, didn't, no bobbling, no foot down, perfect. Whew, got back in the line. All right, this is going pretty well. The third thing is a quick stop. Just get up to speed. As soon as your front tire hits the cone, you got to stop quick. There's a point to all this. Bear with me. So... I, I go through the exercise and I don't get up to speed high enough. Like I don't go fast enough before the stop. So they're using a stopwatch and they, they, they walk over to me and, but it's okay because within the confines of the test rules, you get to, you get a second chance. If you don't, there are certain things you could mess up. Let me just back up and actually say what, before we started all the tests, they said, look, there's only a few things that you can do here to actually fail. You get, we're deducting points as you go, but you could miss points up to a certain amount, of course. Um, so if you need to hit a cone or put a foot down, you know, whatever. But if you drop the bike or walk off the course or refuse to do an exercise, like you're done, you're failed. Fair enough. Okay. So that little thing of not getting up to speed, that didn't fail me. Um, I got to try again on that one. Okay. So now the second time I'm going up and I definitely get up to speed, my front tire crosses the, the line and I, well, it's not this, it's right hand, right foot. And I, I apply the two brakes and my right tire seizes up. No anti-lock brakes on this bike. My right tire seizes up and the bike lurches and I'm still on it, but it completely, the front, the front of the bike just buckles 
And before I know it, I'm on the ground on my right side with the bike on me. Kind of hurt. Um, I dropped the bike. And like, not only had I not dropped the bike all weekend, but like not even close. Like I hadn't even, like not even close. And I don't know if you noticed as I was telling this story, but did you catch it? I didn't pray before the third exercise. And as I'm lying on the ground with gas dripping on me <laughs> out of the tank and my right leg trapped under the spike, I'm a little embarrassed, like there's the whole line of class watching me. We're going one at a time through this exercise. They're coming over to lift, lift the bike off me. And I'm thinking, I didn't pray. And I'm thinking, and this is the first thing that happened outside of the shield of that kind of prayer and awareness. Boom. And I'm thinking, you know, we were going through the weekend and we were going through exercises like, what kind of driver are you? Safe, risky, slow, fast, aware, distracted. And I'm answering honestly and I'm like, risky, fast, distracted. I mean, that's just honest. That's the kind of driver I am. I've always had an issue with speeding. My phone, we won't even go there. And yeah, like I'm not the world's safest driver, like not by a long shot. Anyone who knows me well will testify. It's something I work on and struggle with and wrangle with. And sometimes, you know, I get my speeding under control and stuff, but I have good control of a car, but that doesn't mean I'm a safe driver. I'm not a safe driver. I know that. And I'm lying there on the ground thinking, this is it, Susan, you're free. You don't need to own a motorcycle. You don't need a motorcycle license. Like this experience right here, because all weekend long I'd been thinking about me owning a motorcycle and I was coming to a point of like badassery in my commitment. Like I am never going to drop a bike. Like I'm just, I, I have a friend in Australia who rode a motorcycle when I met him, rode a motorcycle since he was 11, only has a motorcycle for his transportation, never rides anything else. And I asked him one day, how many times have you dropped your bike? And he said, never. I said, never? You've been riding a bike practically every day since you were 11 and you've never dropped your bike? And he said, never. And I thought, I'm going to be like him. I'm never going to drop a bike. That was my thought. And like two hours later, I'm dropping a bike. <sighs> and I had a moment of clarity. And the moment of clarity was, you're done. Like, this is it. I'm not going to retake this test. They, the instructors were coming over to me. Oh, Susan, I'm so sorry. You were doing so great. Of course, this means you fail this test, but you can come back anytime within 30 days and, and take it again. I'm sure you'll pass, like it's fine. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No motorcycle for me. In what world should I be ride personally driving a motorcycle? I have three little kids. I have I have a, a bright line eating movement to grow. Like if if I get taken out, like the the repercussions are pretty enormous. I mean, I know there would they would be for any human life that gets wiped out like that, but um yeah, really. And and with my history as a driver, like speeding tickets, accidents, like really, in what world should I be driving a motorcycle? I will enjoy being on the back of a motorcycle, but I will not be driving a motorcycle. And after I had that moment of clarity and made that decision, I learned from talking it over with my husband that like, he was kind of really looking forward to us having motorcycles together. Like his desire to have a motorcycle without me was a very different thing than his excitement about having a motorcycle with me. And so there was like a little bit of a pull there of like, oh, I don't want to let him down, you know? And then the instructor, when I told him, no, nah, I'm not going to come retake the test. He was like, you know, this is like a long time, lifetime motorcycle aficionado, you know? 
He's like, you don't need to go there with that. That's not what that meant, you know, da 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 And I'm just thinking to myself, each time I interacted with someone else's perception, I like my own inner conviction got stronger. And I was like, no, that's exactly what that meant for me. That was my moment of clarity. And when you have a shift like that inside, and I want to bring this back to your Bright Line Eating journey, a lot of us start Bright Line Eating with some kind of shift like that, some kind of shift that says, I can't live like this with food anymore. What I'm doing is not working. I'm done. I'm, I'm done doing that. And this is my evidence, this is my sign, this moment. And sometimes nothing happened, you know, like we're not lying on the ground with a motorcycle pinned over our leg. We're actually just like, it could be anything, right? It could be sitting in a movie theater, eating all the crap that they sell you in a movie theater, eating it, just feeling sick, going like, what am I doing? It could be anything, right? It just, it's a moment. I mean, for me, my original moment of clarity was nothing. It was a Tuesday morning in a crack house, like no different than any other day that I'd been in that crack house for the last several months. No different. It just was the moment that something shifted inside me and I said, I'm done. And what I want to say about those moments of clarity are this. Number one, they're real and they can have profound effects on the trajectory of the rest of our lives, our lives, our life. They're real. Those moments of clarity are real. I don't know what they look like in the brain. I don't know if anyone's ever studied that. It'd be really hard to know how to study that, you know. Um, I don't know what you'd even look for. I don't even know how you'd do that. But I can tell you, clinically speaking, I can tell you from personal experience, they're real. They can absolutely mark a turning point in the road. But here's the thing. You got to do two things to make that happen. Number one is you have to take immediate action to implement something new that's going to create the new life that you want to transition into. For me, what that meant is, in this case, I did not sign up for the retake of the test. I didn't do it. And I thought to David, the, ne the very next day, I was starting to waffle on that. I was thinking, you know, I'm really not a quitter. There'd be nothing wrong with just taking the retest just so I pass that, get my license, and then not buy a bike. But I didn't do that. That would be counter to the moment of clarity that I had. You got to take whatever steps are necessary. For me, 22 and a half years ago, it meant that I started going to meetings and I started working the steps and I started surrounding myself with a recovery of uh, a community of recovering people. My entire life looked different from that moment. My entire life. The second thing that I think is necessary and instrumental is you've got to create the story around it and tell it to yourself and others as your turning point. You've got to create the narrative of meaning because moments of clarity are just instances. They're just moments of time. And what, what gives them their value is the story that you create around it 
and the multiple, sometimes thousands of checkpoints down the line where you have a choice point to live your old way or your new way and you look back to that moment and you say, nope, starting then, I live differently now. That was the moment when I changed. And you think back, you, you affirm that moment of clarity and you take the new action. And by doing that over and over and over again, your new self creates the reality that that moment mattered and you do things differently now. Because moments of clarity pass. You take a shower, you get a good night's sleep, you're back to your old habits that fast. So if you wanna be different, if you wanna, if you wanna live a new life, if you want something different than you've always got, you gotta do something different than you always did. And a moment of clarity absolutely can be the beginning of that. It absolutely can. So that's the weekly vlog. In closing, I just want to say that my husband made the point that my motorcycle experience is probably the only time in life that you can fail at something and have everybody celebrate you. My prediction is that there will be lots of comments down below of people saying, I'm so glad you're not going to be riding a motorcycle. <laughs> I've told that story now already many times, even though it just happened a couple days ago. And uh, people seem very, very glad that I'm not going to be on the back of a motorcycle on a regular basis. So um, that failure uh, got parlayed into something beautiful already. Oh, God bless me. So that's the weekly vlog. Uh, I love you to bits and I will see you next week.